Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim. Today is episode 226, and today we're going to have a discussion with Jules. We're going to be talking about the 28-day challenge that he has come up with for his journey of sobriety. Um, so we're going to talk about that. First off, how are you today, Jules? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thanks as much. Good to, good to be here, Jim. All right. Good. Good to have you back. So let's first give the audience a, a quick overview of your story. Let's get into your story, because I think that's going to relate very much, like you said before, into how you came up with this 28-day challenge or 28-day mission, whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. Well, thank thank you for having me back, Jim, first, first of all. And yes, yeah, so, so my story is really one that if you looked at it from the outside and you kind of jumped into my life probably 20 years ago, you would look at it and think that there, there is no issue. So I brought up in a Christian home. I, uh, I'm i one of four. OK, that meant I didn't get a huge amount of time with my parents. And that's perhaps something that that, that, that caused me to look for other things. Um uh, I then got I, I trained as an accountant with one of the, the big four globally uh, chartered accountant firms. I was being very well paid. I'd got married. I'd got a couple of children. Uh, the church that we go to, Holy Trinity Brompton in London, was it, it's the kind of a home church where Alpha started uh, and the recovery course started. So you'd look at it and think, wow, this, this couple have got it made. You know, they're kind of good job, good cow, good, good career, uh, you know, married, kids, everything. But the problem was, is that what people didn't see was that back at around age 11, I got exposure to some pornography. And it was, it was very uh, in, innocuous. Somebody, somebody, I, I remember I was camping and somebody put a picture of uh, of a certain certain female part on my head. And so I, as I woke up, that's the first thing I saw. And it was almost like, I guess, a, a kid in a sweet shop. It was like my eyes suddenly went, oh, this is good. Oh, I like this. And, and then that lasted for probably 20, 25 years. And of course, it steadily got more prolific because to start with, it's very difficult to get hold of stuff. Uh, I'm 48 years old. So if you can imagine kind of age 11, it was kind of the top shelf stuff and it was difficult to get hold of. Yeah. Whereas nowadays, it's much easier. Type a little bit in the internet, you've got everything straight there. So I went through that whole DVDs become available. And that's probably where it took a big turn for the worse. Because what I realized is, no matter how many partners I would have, and and, and uh, wrongly, I was very promiscuous um, during university and so forth. And every time I, I, I got together with somebody different, I assumed the pornography would tail off. And it would tail off for a little bit, but then it would come back again. It was almost like a... It's like a, one of those, ruck, you know, kind of that heavy rucksack constantly trying to drag me back into watching stuff. Um, and then it all came to a head in 2006. I got hauled into my boss's office and that was asked what this search string meant. Uh, and I said, I didn't know. And then he said, I think what the, these three letters mean this. 
and you've been accessing pornography based around this for the last, uh, we can see for the last couple of years. Now, the insanity of all this, by the way, very quickly was I had just fired somebody only a week prior to being found out for downloading hardcore pornography. And yet I was still looking at pornography on my work laptop. I mean, you look at it and go, duh, that's really, really stupid. So I almost lost my job because of that. Uh, I had to have then the conversation with my wife, which, as you can imagine, was a horrendous conversation to have. Um, and then kind of I, I realized I needed to do something about it. So I went on to the recovery course, which is where Holy Trinity Brompton in London started that one. Uh, and it took a couple of goes. So for anyone who's listening that thinks, oh, I've done a recovery course and I found it really difficult uh, and it didn't work. Give it another go. Or, as, as I'll talk about a little bit later on, that there are other options out there uh, because I, I created something almost born out of some of the frustrations I'd had on uh, with the recovery, recovery course type things. So anyway, so I went to the recovery course a second time through. Uh, I, I got I, I got a sense I was I was losing the addictive habit. So the sense I would still be watching things, but it wasn't like I got to get my hold on this stuff. And as soon as my wife was going to be out, I'd start planning what, what I could access and so forth or how I would get to do a, a shop for various different things. And uh, so, so that started tailing off, which which for me was amazing. But there was still something that was that was ticking over in the background. Perhaps every couple of months, I would kind of have a revive, or a, re a relapse. Um, and so this then came to a, another head in 2016, where uh, my daughter got diagnosed with autism and I, I just didn't know how to react to it. Uh, I, I was, it meant I had to learn a new language to try and interact with her that I wasn't used to. Um, it, it was so much change coming at me because suddenly, now, now that we knew this, we needed to interact very differently. It meant a whole load of extra stuff, talking about schools and various different things, because that, that all kind of triggered. And, and where that led me was I ended up relapsing uh, and quite badly relapsing, uh, so much so that I couldn't see, I couldn't see anything forward. And let, so me I, I, let me ask you something real quick. Is there, do you consider anything like a healthy amount of pornography to be ingested? Like if a guy does it once or twice a week, is that okay? So it's it's a really interesting question, Jim, and, and I get asked this a lot, which is, yeah, you know, can, can I just watch some? I, I mean, I would always say absolutely not. But the reason being, let me explain that, because if we think about it, when we've got all those images, pornography isn't just the physical act of watching and whatever you do whilst you're watching. It's the images get kind of burned into our minds. And therefore what this means is that Almost, I don't need to have the pornography then to fantasize. And so in reality, the more I'm pushing into my mind, the more that the more the easier it is almost to fantasize and then start acting out. And so in reality, what I found was by stopping completely, what that meant was the images started disappearing. And so it then became much easier to wake up in the morning and just get straight out of bed as opposed to. I don't need to explain. Um, and the same thing, just you know, daydreaming. Instead, my daydreams would be normal daydreams. And I'll come on to the fact of why daydreaming can be really important. But instead of it constantly going back to the images that I've almost got stored in my head. So it's it's a bit like with an alcoholic, they'll say one one take one little sip of alcohol and suddenly all bets are off. It's the, I think it's the same what I, I personally found and, and so have an awful lot of colleagues 
that, that I've helped uh, recover through from pornography and other addictions is that actually that level of absence really has to be has to be zero because otherwise we're just making it more and more difficult for ourselves every time because it's like fill our minds up full of bad bad stuff and images it means that I've almost got to let another period of time for those images to kind of disappear out of my mind yeah so yeah back to your story um no keep going yeah so so uh So, so, so at this point, I realised I needed to go. I, I needed to, so I was, I was actually working at the with the recovery course. I was teaching some of the sessions, so I had to stop that because clearly, if I was, I was relapsing quite heavily, that wasn't appropriate. So I stopped that, and then actually, it was a conversation with the person who was running the leadership course uh, with, with me and some others, a chap called Justin Reese Larkin, and I met with him for dinner because my wife had said, "Look, you, you need to do something about this," because I, I, I'd started explaining to her that. I was starting to have suicidal thoughts on quite a repeated basis. You know, every time I would be on in the car, I would be thinking, oh, if I just do that with the steering wheel, oh, I could end it all. Um, and that was, that was my absolute lowest point. And so having to explain that to my wife was horrendous. And then, yeah. but having to explain it to my, to, to a friend, Justin Mees Larkin, was really actually soothing. Because yeah, people don't realize how hard it is to admit that stuff because you you feel like, I'm so different than you. Like normal people don't think this way. And if I tell you this, you, I, it, me personally, I know it makes me feel like telling someone makes me think that they think I'm crazy. You know what I mean? Even if they don't think that, even if you're saying, okay, you have an issue, let's, let's, let's get on top of this and try and help you. Even if they were like that and had a good response, I still feel like, you know, they don't, they they look at me differently now. That's why it's so hard to admit it. You don't want to be looked at differently. Yeah. Do you know what, Jim? That is so, so true. Um, and actually, that's what, one, of, one of the reasons when I, when I talk in a second about the 28-day reset challenge, which I created, that's one of the reasons why I don't use the word addiction or addict actually in that specific title, because there is that sense of if somebody says they're an addict, then it, it can be that sense, ooh, ooh you're, you're one of those people. And of course, I've been one of those people, so to speak. And I realized that actually there's far more of us out there than people realize. And actually being able to speak to other people about it can be really helpful or hear other people speaking about it so that they can sense, oh, so I'm not the only one that that does this or struggles with this. It's, it's like that, oh, that sense of relief, knowing that they're not the only one. And for me, that was, the, I remember that first time uh, talking to my wife about it, then talking to Justin Meese Larkin about it, and also going to a recovery type course about it. Just that sense of relief, hearing other people, the challenges they're facing is really, really important. So I, so I had to stop all of that. Uh, and and, I, and, and the, the, this chap I spoke to, he just said, read one verse of the Bible a day. So I started doing that. And, and what? And, you know, for, for, for some, this is uh, you may not you may struggle with the concept of a higher power. For me, I see Jesus Christ as my higher power. But I'm also conscious that actually a higher power is what 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 you want it to be to, to an extent. And therefore, for me, as I say, for me, it was Jesus. And so spending a bit more time focusing on something other than just me, because let's face it, when when we're struggling with addiction, we focus on me, myself and I. And therefore, yeah. I don't think about anything else. So even just thinking about my higher power, it started opening up my mind to to new possibilities. And perhaps 
perhaps suicide wasn't the only way out. And for, for anyone listening that is struggling with suicidal thoughts, I absolutely get that there are times, because I, I know I've been there, when that's all you can see. All you can see in front of you is death. That's the only, it's the only possible way out. Yeah, I've, I've actually experienced it myself where I guess the best way to describe it is that impending sense of doom. You feel like there's no way out. This is it. There's no way out. You're going to feel like this forever. And the biggest thing I think is a lot of us feel no one would understand. We're the only ones feeling this. So many of us think, like I said, we think we're alone. We think we're the only one feeling this until we get to be exposed to people like you that will spread the word and say, listen, you're not the only one. You know, there are people like you. And it is so true. There are, I think what it was in, I think even in the UK, it says that there's 10 million people addicted to something. And it's not necessarily just the traditional ones. I say traditional ones. You know, kind What's of drink. Real quick, you said 10%. What's the population of the UK? Oh, sorry. Ten, 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 sorry I meant 10 million. And the population of the UK is about 60. So it, oh, it's, quite, it's kind of 15 to 18%. That's a, that's a very large percent. Yeah. And then if you then prorate that out to kind of other parts of the world, what that actually means, there's somewhere between kind of half a billion and a billion of people that are struggling with the same things that, that you and I have struggled with. And I think that the only reason I, I talk about that as a number is because what that means, and it's exactly as you said, experienced, Jim, and exactly as I've experienced, is, is we're not the only ones. The amount of times I will have a conversation with somebody and say, oh, actually, because sometimes people say, how did you get into working in the recovery space? And I'll say, well, I've struggled with some things. And they'll ask, you know, what did you struggle with? And they're like, oh, it's either it will start off with often it's a parent or it's a family member. And then often as you dig a little bit deeper, there's often things within within them as an individual that, that that's actually troubling them and kind of holding them back. And, and that's really, you know, Part of, part of my role in creating the research challenge was to really to help people feel they can talk to other people and they can unlock or start thinking about things outside of themselves. Because if I just finished that last bit of the story, by opening up my mind to something apart from just me, what it meant was I could start looking at other possibilities and other dreams. And one of the things that, that for me was very, uh, very catalytic was Ever since being a kid, I've always wanted a, a little a property in a ski in a ski resort. I just love skiing. Um, it's my happy place. But I totally buried that completely with all that addiction for years, well, decades and decades. And suddenly, as I started opening up possibilities to there may be something other than just me, that dream suddenly started filtering back again. And like with anything, when we put something out into the universe and we start thinking about it, it's like when you think about a new car every car on the road you notice is that car you almost get to the stage again oh everyone's driving that car oh i'm not sure i want that one now because everyone's driving that car all it is is we've put that thought into our conscious mind as opposed to buried deep in our subconscious mind and started thinking about it so i things started happening and a lot of things fell into place uh, i ended up being able to to to, to buy that ski apartment i say i bought it a bank bought quite a lot of it on my behalf uh, as is the most case with, with property purchases and I, even with that as a dream, I struggled with because I thought it was a bit materialistic. And as a as a as a Christian, I was thinking, well, is that right? But what I now realise is that was the thing that that I needed to keep me above ground. And then that enabled me to start focusing on my recovery 
And then it started enabling me to actually help help other people. So it was that sense of actually, I need to have something to focus on. Stephen Covey talks about begin with the end in mind. And so it gave me the opportunity to focus on something outside of myself, to start driving towards that. And of course, when we have a dream or a passion, we spend a lot of time focusing on that, which means we haven't got as much time to focus on uh, addiction or substance of choice. So naturally, I was spending less time looking at looking at stuff. And it, it related to your earlier question, Jim, the less I looked, of course, the less images I've got going into my mind the whole time. So it's almost the easier it is then not to look the next time because I haven't got those images constantly front of front of front of mind. So all, all, all of that kind of long story short, I then got involved back involved in the recovery course. Uh, and because of COVID, we actually came up, we, we created a separate course that was that was purely online to start with called the Star, the Star Life Course, Steps to Active Recovery, Star. Uh, and I wrote the mind section because as part of my kind of journey through that, I was literally eating every bit of material I could find about the mind, whether that's Dr. Caroline Leaf, Anthony Robbins, Brendan Bouchard, all sorts of different people from different walks of life, just to get a sense of actually how we could make our mind our best friend rather than our worst enemy. And so it was as a result of that that I then created the 28-Day Reset Challenge, which kind of tried to push all of that, all of kind of my learnings, my struggles, my frustrations into an easily accessible format that people could get hold of. Because one of the things I, if I look at the key things that I found personally struggling with recovery type courses was firstly, they're only, they're only in person ones, they're only every now and again. So you, it's almost like you have to have an addiction in probably a, a kind of two or three week window every six months otherwise there's not a course that you can actually access because you can only tend to start them at the beginning but also there might not be a course anywhere near you that's 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 focused on your addiction of choice and of course what i later realized through my kind of research was actually the addiction of choice or the substance of choice isn't actually the issue it's that the life stuff that's holding us back that is actually the issue but I'll, i'll touch on that in a second but then also i noticed that quite a lot of recovery courses are quite focused on they're quite religious. And by that, I mean, lots of folks on the Bible. And whilst that, that that's good and helpful to some degree, I, I was conscious that and at the time I was struggling with my faith. So therefore, the thought of having what felt like Jesus rammed down my throat just just wasn't appropriate for me. So, so as part, of, part of my way of writing the course was very much to kind of street par that back to, to the minimum aspects. But also it was the sense of, well, you've got 160 odd hours in a week and you've got a two hours of recovery course or, or, or session. So what do I do for the rest of the session? So really, I wanted to make something that was accessible 24-7 because let's face it, addiction strikes at all sorts of strange times. And it's often not, when, well, in fact, it's never when you're in the recovery session itself. It's outside of that. So I wanted to provide kind of tools that could help somebody um outside of the outside of being in that recovery session so yes yeah, so that's kind of my story as i say on the face of it all looked like it was very rosy um i guess i'd probably call myself a at the time i would say i was a high functioning addict people wouldn't necessarily know that things were going wrong but boy there was a whole load of stuff going on underneath and i just got that sense that i needed to do something to to help other people because I, I it took me 20 or 20 25 years to get through this stuff and I, I figure if I could help people do it in a much much shorter time wouldn't that be awesome yeah 
And that's why we do this to help other people. That's the whole reason I'm doing everything I do. And yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of people that they want to do good for our community. And you're one of them. So being that you want to help our community, tell us more about this 28-day challenge, um, what it involves, obviously, what you do week by week. I'm not sure if it goes, you know, basically, is there a curriculum for this, so to speak? Or is there like a syllabus that we follow? Yeah, so, well, if I take a step back as to, if I look at what, whether the course is relevant to, to people, first of all, as to whether whether it would pique your interest. So part of my research, I realised that, that there's actually kind of three reasons that people tend to lose track in life. The first one is that the mind, we let our mind start dictating what what happens, and therefore we our mind becomes our worst enemy. And therefore what that means, we're letting our mind take us into all sorts of dark places, ending up with, with with using a substance of choice. What happens when we do that? We feel bad. What happens when we feel bad? We use our substance of choice. And so you end up in this kind of doom loop. So there's there's the mind section is around actually, it's, it can be our really worst enemy. The second thing that I noticed was actually that by not having a, a purpose or a dream, it was too easy to wake up every day and just go, why bother? What? is the point there's no point to life what's the what's the point in living what's the point in doing what i'm doing so so therefore i've, I've got no purpose for living and, and and then the third thing was just that sense that i've had a whole load of stuff happen to me nothing's going to work going forward it's all bad it's the way i'm created so i'm kind of almost letting the past dictate what happens in the future And so it, it was it was these three things that really got me thinking about how do we how do we create a, a course, a curriculum that can help people to firstly, and that really is the first day. So it's a 28-day, I've got the 28-day reset challenge. It's it's a course that is focused on the underlying courses, uh, underlying causes, trying to get the mind in a good place, focus on what your purpose is. But then it does so much more as well, because in reality, it's not specific to a substance. So it's not just for alcoholics or it's not just for people recovering from pornography or sex or binge drinking or eating or social media, shopping, whatever it might be. Because actually what it really focuses on the first week of the four weeks is around really that, that mind. So it starts looking at how do our thoughts work? What we every you know, we, we have two to three and a half thousand thoughts per hour. And that's a lot of thoughts. Wait, how many thoughts per hour? So we have between two and three and a half, so 2,000 to three and a half thousand per hour. That's, yeah. And that's every lot. thought ends in an outcome. So let's say, for example, put that in real life. Uh, we didn't just have, uh, I suppose I'm, I'm, this is a US audience, so apologies, but in the UK, we have this thing called the Channel Tunnel, where we used to, somebody once thought, wouldn't it be nice to go from England to France? So we have, we, we built boats, but it was a first a thought. Somebody went, oh, that's interesting. We need to get across there and make it nice and easy. And then, of course, that took a load of time. So somebody then had a thought, hmm, why don't we build a tunnel? That'd be quite cool. Let's build a tunnel. But again, it started off with the thought, ended up with an outcome of a tunnel. Look, look at flights. You know, we, I, I've been I've just been off to um, the Netherlands for the weekend. And every time I watch planes take off, it's still beggar's belief, that great big hunk of metal, how it gets off the ground. Somebody had a thought, I want to fly. I think I can fly. And that thought then manifested in, in an outcome. 
But what then happens with thoughts that aren't quite so positive? So let's say I have a thought of, I just felt, I just, I've had a bad day. So what do I do? What do I do with that thought? If my natural subconscious is bad day, drink far too much, but then I feel bad. So then I have to drink again. And, and it kind of goes in that vicious circle or had an argument with the spouse, watch some pornography, feel a bit better for a few seconds, then feel bad for, for days and weeks. Wouldn't it be great if you could stop that thought in its track? So instead of the thought of, hmm, I think I could do with a drink, or I think I might place that bet, or I think I might stuff myself with a, the chocolate cake that I really that I really don't need. What if I could stop that thought in its tracks? And one of the things I talk about is the, the three-second rule. It's using that three seconds to go, is that thought going to take me in the right direction? I.e., is it going to help me find get move towards my purpose? I'll come on to how we find the purpose and dream in a second, but is that thought going to get me into a good place or a bad place? And going back to your original comment, Jim, I know if I was to start looking at some pornography, even if it was just once, I know that's going to take me into a bad place. So therefore, I have to stop that thought. You might say, well, that's easier said than done. And so a lot of it is it's within that three seconds thinking, OK, what do I need to do to change that? Whether I need to go for a walk, make a cup of coffee, get up and do some star jumps, do some something that changes the environment. For, 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 for me, one of the biggest challenges I found, you'd be lying in bed in the morning and suddenly a thought would crop up and be, you've got a choice. And the thing is, we have that choice individually. I have that choice. Do I let that thought manifest and I know where that's going to lead? Or do I go, oh, don't like that thought, need to change the environment, jump out of bed? And 9.9 .9 times out of 10, I jump out of bed and then actually the thought disappears. So I then carry on with my day. And if it comes back again, I'll change the environment again. And so, so that's one of the, the, the first week is partly talking about our minds, putting our minds to, to really help us. So we get we get a thought. We either go, yeah, I like that thought. That's a good, positive thought. Or actually, no, I don't like that thought. I'm not going to let that, that, that manifest. What, what I then flick around to is looking at our purpose and dream because as i found for me originally it was a ski chalet then it was creating the star life course then it was creating the 28 day reset challenge having a focus meant i would every time for my three seconds i would think mm, is watching pornography going to help me get towards that ski chalet is it going to get me towards the star life course is it going to get me towards the reset challenge is it going to get me to helping somebody else because i can't help somebody else if i can't help myself and so That's having true. that sense of purpose really changed it because it's like, well, that, that, no, that's not going to get me there. I can't help others if I'm struggling myself. So therefore, I, I need to think of something different, change the environment. So the first week's very much around finding finding the purpose and putting the mind into a really good good place. And then the second week goes into to what people familiar with uh, recovery and, and, and the anonymous steps, anonymous fellowships would know is some aspects of the 12 steps. And these are things like forgiveness. And you know, I talk about why should I forgive? What, what, why should I bother? Because what they did was wrong. We, yes, they, that, that may well be the case. And, and it's not, not my role or anyone else's role to say whether it was right or wrong. But unfortunately, our role when somebody's done something to us, our, our role, if we want to be successful in life, we have to learn to be able to move on from it. And that doesn't mean you're, you're saying what they did was right but you're forgiving them for it. And this, and, and I go through how you might be able to do that, you know, how to, and it's, it's sometimes can be quite a gentle process because some of it where it involves abuse, you know, especially over a long period of time, 
that could be really hard. But as that, as that proverb says, you know, not forgiving somebody is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yeah, it's a quote from the Buddha. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it really is like that. Forgive, unforgiveness is one of those ones that just eats away at us. But boy, is it hard. Trust me, <laughs> I've been there. And I imagine, Jim, you've got many stories where it's like, oh, but what they did was wrong. Yeah. Yes, it may well have been. It probably was. But is it serving you? Or I'd say, how is it serving you? And if it's serving you to put, as, as, I, as I say, is it putting a brick into your rucksack that's dragging you back? Or actually, is it taking a brick out and making the load a bit lighter and you can then focus focus on your, focus on your path, your purpose? So that's the week two is really looking at how to make amends, how to, how to forgive uh, and be forgiven. Because the other bit that's really difficult is asking for forgiveness. So especially if we've really upset people, if we have caused offence, caused all sorts of um, frustrations and, and hurts to people, we still have to forgive ourselves. And that's another one that is, again, hard. So I, I take a bit of time just teaching through what does that look like? The third week then goes on to relationships, because what I what I realized very early on and, and speaking with uh, you know hundreds and hundreds of people that I've worked with through the various different recovery courses and, and on the research challenge is that relationships tend to suffer. Choice of spending time watching stuff, drinking stuff, eating stuff I shouldn't do rather than spending time with a partner the substance of choice always won. And therefore what that means is my, my close friends, my close family uh, and, and relationships really, really struggle. So I talk about how to how to get along with people, how to rebuild those relationships almost from the ground up, but also to for perhaps those relationships that you need in life. Because I'll, I'll also talk about, you know, we, we are, if you want to see what you're going to look like in a few years' time in terms of your your environment and your purpose and where you are in life, look at who you spend. Look at the five most uh, the five people that you spend most time with, and if they're really go getters, passionate, dream filled, you know, purpose filled people, you'll probably find you fall into their pattern as well and start becoming more uh, focusing on your dreams and your purpose. But if you're fo- if you're spending a lot of time with people that are very negative or you're constantly at loggerheads with them you'll find your life tends to stagnate. So I talk about, you know, if there are relationships that you can't just move away from, how to get on better with people. I talk about things like their love languages because we each receive love in different ways. My wife loves presents and a gift to her just says, I'm thinking of her. When she buys me presents, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, not really that fast. So she could have spent hours buying a present and she gives it to me and I go, yeah, interesting, next. She's like, oh, how can that be? I've spent hours. And I say, but that's not my love language. It's not my love language at all. Whereas if she says, oh, you're not feeling well, can I go and take the bin out? I'm like, oh, that shows love. She she really loves me because she would do an act of service that she knows that I would like to do, but I, I can't do. So again, acts of service for me is one of my love languages. So I talk about that, but I also talk about things like attachment theory and go to quite a lot of stuff where I'll often signpost where you may be able to find some further research or further information if you want. And on most of the days, I also provide clips to different YouTube things where somebody might go into it in a little bit more detail because clearly we can't fix end-to-end life in 28 days. There's some bits that I think if I can get our minds in a good place or your minds in a good place to equip you to actually really 
deal with life well, deal with people well, then, then that's really what that third week is all about. It, it touches on things like belief and identity. Who do I see myself? Um, and that's one of the challenges, if I may find, with some of the anonymous fellowships is, and even some of the recovery courses. The, the first thing you get asked is, you know, my name's Jules and I'm an addict. I, I struggle with that because as the various different research has, has taken place on the mind, what we associate ourselves with ends up being who we end up. So if we, if if I as an ident- identify myself as an addict, then I'm always going to be thinking, well, I've got an addictive tendency, therefore it's always bound to happen. So I'm not really looking for an opportunity to move forward from my addiction. Whereas if I'm somebody that's struggling with an addiction, that almost starts putting it slightly outside. And actually, I can then focus on the real me because the real me and the real you, Jim, and the real anyone who's people who are listening, I don't believe as individuals, we were born bad people. But stuff happens. I'm a a huge believer in you are basically your parents. I I listen a lot to the Dalai Lama. And even he says, you learn everything from your parents. There's no such thing as a kid being born and you're holding a newborn in your arms and he's bad. It's okay. Now we're going to take this clean slate of a brain and we're going to raise it a certain way. And then that person is going to act a certain way. And the most important factors in their life or the most important people are their parents. They learn everything from their parents. And there's no such thing as a bad kid. He was just raised the wrong way by somebody. And I, I think that's so, so, so relevant because it also comes back to, you know, people saying, well, I'm just a bad person. Well, actually go back to the core. And I think as, as Jim was just saying, you're actually not a bad person at your core. Stuff has happened a lot of stuff and as, as using substances that we shouldn't be using are because things have happened and we, we just didn't know how to react. You know, one of the things I talk about is the, is, is the mood elevator. And if we're at the top of the mood elevator, you know, we're, we're grateful, joyful, wise. We're, we're really in a good place. But it, so, for example, if, you know, if I'm at the bottom of the elevator, let's say I'd come on this uh, podcast and I was really frustrated. And Jim, you'd go, tell us about your story. And I'd go, yeah, well, I was an addict and I'm now fixed. Job done. You'd be like, uh, okay, but uh, you, you know, t- tell us about the research challenge. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a great course. Pe- people should just do it. You know, I don't need to spend time. You know, they just should do it. And of course, what, I, what I'm not doing is, is, is embracing the situation. And so often we don't embrace situations well. Let, you know, how many times have we, we've gone into a discussion with a really aggressive stance Guess what comes back at us? An aggressive stance, because often we, we we mirror what we see in the other person. So if we are giving out aggression, we tend to get aggression given back to us. But if we if we know that, and of course this course is a lot of it's about teaching teaching things that I wish was taught to every child. Going go back to your point earlier, Jim, about you know we are we are you know the creation of kind of that clean slate, and then it's what happens in those early years, especially with our parents. I think it's so true, but so much of the time we don't get taught that we have a choice how we react to other people. You know, Jim, you could be really aggressive with me and say, right, you know, you're talking absolute rubbish. And and I would have a choice in that moment to either go straight back at you or go, oh, that's interesting, Jim. That's 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 an interesting point of view. Could I just ask you why why you think that? And what I'm doing is just getting a bit more curious to understand actually what's really the underlying cause of that situation 
And so many of the times, and again, I, I teach this in the, the kind of the first first week and then the bits, bits in the third week, is around getting curious with, with people because that means we can develop better within relationships as well. I'm conscious I'm, I'm waffling, so I'm going to let me... The, the last week is then really where I talk about reimagine. So it's kind of... Uh, so it's, it's all about resetting, recovering, restoring as in the relationship, and then reimagine. And this is where we go back to some of the stuff in week one about our mind and really start using all those bricks that we've put in our backpack that holds us further and further back, actually utilizing those to propel us forward, which is, well, hold on, that caused me pain. It caused me 20, 25 years to get clean. I don't want that for anyone else. I'm going to use that pain and that challenge and that struggle to propel me to help other people. And I think that's where actually, um, you know, we've oft- we're often given a mountain. To, to a challenge you're often seen as mountains to climb and what have you. But actually that mountain can often be the thing that will actually help propel us into our future. If you look at most things, what, what, what why people create things is because they've experienced a different opportunity or a different way and they want to help other people to get there further, to get there faster and to help. You know, for my, my, I would love for every single person listening to this, st- stand on my shoulders, stand on Jim's shoulders, We've had so much experience, and the same that I wrote. I also co-wrote the course with a lady called Emma, who struggled with alcohol. And so between us, we've got so much experience. Stand on our shoulders. Let us do a lot of that heavy lift, um, because I, that's and that's really why we created that. Going back very quickly into, I think you asked, is it, so it follows a curriculum in the sense that there are specific topics that it goes through uh each day it's it's around about a 15 15 minutes of coaching each day and that'll either be myself or emma heath uh doing it doing a short talk and then there's a couple of questions we i call it a challenge at the end of that which is your opportunity fill in a little survey if you want to get an email back to you just pop in your email address it will send it to you uh, and that's really around so it'll it'll start off with things like what good has come from your addiction or, or your negative thought patterns or, or, or your or the thing that's kind of holding you back. And then what bad has happened as a result of that? And what we're trying to do there is that whole sense of pain versus pleasure, because we need to get a sense of, oh, hold on a minute. If I do this, if I take this substance, oh, actually, that might be very, very short term pleasure, but it's long term pain. Yeah. So therefore, I'm going to run away from it because nobody likes pain. I'm going to run towards pleasure, but not the short term pleasure, the longer term pleasure of a dream, of a purpose, of our passions. So it's very much around a challenge to help really understand what what we've been talking about, what we've been trying to coach with. We, we also put in lots of stories. There's lots of personal stories. I talk a little bit about my personal story that I've shared some of today. Uh, the same with Emma and we also put some other links in there to various different, if there's a particular, let's say Tony Robbins did a, a great talk around identity, then I'll put the link to that because he'll go into some of that in a bit more detail. So, so yeah, so really it's something that uh, you've got the opportunity within one month, 28 days. Now, granted, I think most people probably, they can go through some on a day-by-day basis. There's other ones, perhaps week two, which is around recover the recovering piece, or the forgiveness of making amends for some that can take a little bit longer and but it could also run alongside you can carry on pushing forwards with with the other stuff as well but but what what i've what we've seen from you know the feedback we've had so far 
In fact, I've just had a quick look at some of the feedback, uh, which if I made you just quickly, you know, a couple of words of feedback we've got from people that are, are either either have done the course or are going through the course. They said things like, uh, to, this course is fantastic. It's convenient, full of wisdom that's helped to shift my mindset from uh, around deeply held limiting beliefs. Uh, it's uh, working with Jules and the Reset Challenge has literally saved my life. I'm starting to live again. And I think this is really something that it does open up that possibility of a different way forward, something that can actually be much more enjoyable, much more pleasurable and long term pleasure focusing on, you know, and no doubt, Jim, as this is part of your vision, this this podcast and the other things that will spawn off the back of it is part of your purpose and it, it keeps you in a good place. Um, oh, for me, because <clears throat> you're totally you hit the nail on the head when it comes to developing purpose. You have to have a reason to wake up in the morning. Like you said, there's got to be a reason to get out of bed, put your pants on and handle your shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to have a reason. I mean, this is my purpose. So I feel like I, I don't want to fail anybody in my group. So I got to get up and I got to make sure I handle everything that goes along with it. Absolutely. But, so it, but equally, every time you come across a challenge, you've always got that guiding star, that guiding light of, yeah, but I need to get across this challenge because then I can see where i'm where i'm headed to and as you say that's the stuff that gets us out of bed um yeah absolutely so uh well the last couple of ones so as um yeah the, in, another people talk about connecting the dots as they listen to the different sessions it starts connecting dots in their life and there's there's so many aha moments it, it's brilliant because at the end of each session you, there's the opportunity to write comments on what you found most helpful or what the light bulb moments so the amount of times people will be there going oh can't believe I'm only finding this out now and I'm 55 or I'm 25 or I'm 35. Why didn't they teach this to me earlier? Because it is literally foundational principles on, on how to live our life in a way that we act responsibly, we react responsibly, we 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 don't use substances that don't help us because most addictions are actually things that for uh, for a lot of people, it's okay. And, and therefore that challenge is what is it that's really making us use that as a crutch? And, and often it is because we don't have any other purpose. So there is no other point of living. Therefore, well, of course, I'm going to drink myself into oblivion or of course I'm going to eat too much because it makes me feel short term, short term satisfaction. But it doesn't give us that long term satisfaction, which Jim, you talked about it with this podcast, myself with the 28 day research challenge. It, it, that's that is very much the guiding light. So um you know, if you've got any more questions, you can get it. You can see all my details. It's on the website, www.reset-reimagine.com. Um, and, you know, please let me let me help you. Let me serve you in uh, in this. That's great. And thank you for sharing where you can get it. Say where you can get it one more time. What was the name of the website? So the, the website is it's www.reset-reimagine.com. And from there, you'll be able to read a bit more about my story. You'll also be able to click straight in and access the challenge, or there's a separate landing page it can take you to, which 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 details out in much more in, in much more detail. We've got a couple of freebies as well on there to 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 kind of whet your appetite on, you know, awaken your true calling, how to start teasing out what that purpose might be. Because part of the challenge is, of course, and I imagine there's plenty of people listening that are going. It, Jules, Jim, it's all that's all well and good, but I don't have a purpose. I don't have a reason to live. And so uh, I think it's day three or day four where, where I start asking some questions really to help you think about what it is. What is it that you, you know, time just stops? 
because you're so in the moment. Um, and it's things like that. What did you enjoy doing when you were a child? What is it? What is it you, you know, if you help other people, what what are you helping them doing that makes you that that encourages you to do more of it? And for many of you, my guess is that finding recovery is part of the journey to you then helping others also find their recovery as well. You know, it's step, step 12, if you're familiar with the um Alcoholic Anonymous in the big book it is very much around that giving back. And it all comes back to giving, having something other than ourselves. It's all well and good working and having more money and earning more, having more cars and houses, whatever it might be. But what I've found, everyone I've spoken to so far, I think bar none, says that's all interesting. But actually what gives me real pleasure, what gives me joy is helping other people. So certainly from my perspective, if, if I can help you, let me help you. Let's stand on my shoulders. I, I, I've got low, I've got plenty of battle scars. Let me see if I can save save you some of those scars. And um, yeah, get yourself signed up. It's, it's available 24-7, so you, you can start right now. That's great. That's really awesome. I mean, we need people like you that go out and want to share things that have worked for them. Because some people, when they go to get sober, they don't know what to do. It's just like, I want to get so like for me, when I first, first wanted to get sober, I literally didn't want to do. I never had researched rehabs. I didn't even know what a detox center was. I had no clue about that. Someone mentioned it to me. I'm like, what is that? And they explained, <clears throat> it'll get you off the alcohol. I was like, okay, maybe I'll try that. But at the end of the day, we need people like you to help identify these things, show us the guidance, make sure we know exactly what's going on in our own minds. It's important to try and understand your own brain. And I think courses like you can help with, you know, exploring that and making sure you're making the right decisions based on your thoughts. Absolutely. Yeah. As I say, if we step one, if you, if you, if we if we can make our mind our best friend instead of our enemy, we will find things just start naturally falling into place purely because it comes back to the whole car analogy. You know, when you start thinking about a particular car, you start seeing them. That's because you're you're taking it from your subconscious. To putting it into your conscious and therefore you're, you're you're focused on it whereas and so in reality what what that means is if we have a natural subconscious that because we've, we've built it we've wired our brain that says have an argument go and get plastered have an argument go and watch stuff i shouldn't watch have an you know have a disagreement somebody annoys me or i take offense go and do x and so part of this is about rewiring our brain and there's in, there's enough studies now that show that we're rewiring our brain is absolutely possible we effectively are wiring them every day and therefore the challenge is are we wiring them in really well or are we wiring in bad habits and therefore this is about um, also trying to rewire them when, when you have an argument instead of argument go and have a substance of choice actually argument go and do some exercise go and make a cup of coffee count to 10 you know there's 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 a reason why people say count to 10 and that's because our, our logical brain when we're in the fit of rage or the frustration our brain cannot logically think and that's why people say count to 10 and that, that's one of the reasons for that kind of that three seconds it, it's very quickly it is okay i i haven't got long before my logic brain starts shutting out and i just start letting all my emotions start tumbling out and when the emotions start tumbling out we tend to end up in a substance of choice. So therefore, you've got that really short period of time that says, right, nip it in the bud quickly. Do I want this to take me to X, which I know it will always lead to? No. OK, how do I get to Y? I need to go and do some exercise. I need to make a cup of coffee. I need to go and do some star jobs, press whatever it is. 
have a conversation with my spouse, have a go and, go and see how my daughter's doing. Something that takes that thought and changes it completely because that then means it will end up in a different outcome. Otherwise, that thought will end up in the same outcome it has done. If it was for me, it has done for the same 25 years and, I, and I've had to rewire my brain so that argument doesn't mean go and watch porn. Argument means go and work on my website, go and do an extra, write some more sessions for the 28 day reset challenge, go and record a vlog, go and write my blog. Um, and that's another thing, by the way, you know, I, I tend to write a little blog every week. So sign up on the website um, and you'll also get access to my uh, my blog, which is free. It's just it's, it's just a weekly actionable, actionable insights, really, on what you can do to put those strong foundations and live a really purpose filled life. That's my desire for everyone to have that sense of living a purpose filled life. Awesome. Really good things you're doing there. And I, I think I should thank you for that because, you know, you're helping the recovery, the recovery community. And that's very important. So again, towards the end, did you have anything else you want to throw in? Well, really, just just going back to where I started, which is, as I say, there tends to be those three things, which, you know, if, the, if any of these three things uh, feel like you're getting in the way, whether it's your mind, it's 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 being a worst enemy as opposed to your best friend, you're struggling with purpose. Uh, what, what is life all about? Um, or you or you're letting your past take hold of your future and you're in a place where your trajectory is not leading you to a place that you're that you're comfortable with or excited about or passionate about then perhaps jump onto the website as i say it's www.reset-reimagine.com and let me help you let me guide you let me give you a step-by-step -step roadmap or a blueprint that can really help you to put that mind back into a place where you're in control of your mind. It becomes your friend with a passion and a purpose to really shoot for and with the, your past actually providing that rocket fuel towards your purpose and your dreams rather than just trying to, to hold you back. And if, if, if any of that, that resonates, then just say, go to the website, www.reset-reimagine.com. Sign up there. Take, take access to to the weekly blog download the course and um i look forward to seeing you all uh, we, we also know actually starting in february we're going to be doing some monthly coaching calls as well so anyone who's who's on the course has the opportunity just to jump on a call and either either fire questions at me how did you deal with this i don't know how to do this or or um, i'll look at specific topic topics and coach through that so what's holding you back Take, take the opportunity now. Let, let, let my scars not be your scars. Take a step up, step on my shoulders and, my, and, and Emma's shoulders. Let us try and provide you that, uh, that ability to find freedom from the stuff that's holding you back. You know, you, you, may, you may be like me that was perhaps a, what you class as a high functioning addict or, or, or whatever. And let me help you. I'd be honored to, to help you in your journey in any way I can. Thank you very much. And thank you, Jim, for having me on this podcast as ever it's hugely lovely just to talk to you absolutely it's been it's been a pleasure speaking with you again so let me do my little sales pitch for the group give me a second here i'm gonna say that if you like what you saw and heard go below and give us a like also subscribe to see when we upload new videos you can also check us out on all social media like twitter reddit facebook tiktok instagram tumblr you name it we're on it I also suggest checking out our website, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. There's plenty of free resources as well as free literature. Also, Addicts Anonymous has a book coming out. 
It's going to be out hopefully mid to late February. That is going to be where I write on a number of different topics from romantic relationships to restarting your life. Um, and then there's also a collection of people's stories. So it's going to be out once again, mid to late February. Hopefully I can get some more information on that in uh, the upcoming episodes. So that's all I have for today's podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. And until next time.